Last week, I preached on our victory. I preached on overcoming. I preached out of 1 John and how John tells us of our victory. And he says, these are they that have overcome the world, right? And, and, and the, the overcoming, uh, the victory that we have, John tells us, is our faith. And so, so between, between our victory uh, from the 1 John 5 message to Easter, which is the, the, the resurrection and celebration of God's strength and power and, and the, the work that he's accomplished, I looked at these two Sundays in between and I thought, all right, what do we need to talk about? How do we need to relate from, from the overcoming that God has given us that we will see and talk about extensively on Easter Sunday, uh, sent me back to Romans. And, and some of you are going to recognize that I have preached this passage already a couple of times in the last year, but different aspects of it. So there are three words I want to point out before I read it. And so I want you to acknowledge and recognize these words as I read the passage. The first word is wrath. Wrath. Ah, we like that word, don't we? No, we don't like that word. We hate that word. We don't like that word at all. Wrath. Second word is access. What does access mean? What is it that, 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 that access represents in the life of the Christian? And the third thing is justify or justified. What does it mean? Uh, that that there is a justification that has taken place. All right, so Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read it all. Y'all just hang in there. There's a lot here, and, and I, I purposely cannot deal with all of it, so I'm picking out three words because it's an outline. And that's what I was taught in seminary. So here you go. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace into which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, see, I love it how, how, how God just keeps just here. There's more, right? You got this and you got this, but not only that. We also boast in our afflictions. Yay! Right? We're all boasting in our afflictions. Oh, my. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Now, see, that's the little section of the passage I preached about a year ago. When all this stuff came clamping down on us, and, and, and I, I preached on 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 what it means to to have a victory, and then verse six says this: For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, at the right time, this is God's timing, God's will, God's purpose. God positions it in history in such a way that everything before Jesus points to Jesus. Everything after Jesus points back to Jesus. You see, at the right time, Christ died. The anointed one, the Messiah, died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for, for a just person, Right? Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Now, this is the passage that, that sort of finished out the gathering in the word that I was writing on in February and the beginning of March on love. This was the passage that, that sort of finished that out. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Pray with me. God, I want to praise you and thank you for this morning, this day. God, it's, it's a time set aside in our lives, particularly as we gather in this room or as we are scattered throughout the Internet on Facebook or, or YouTube or, or wherever folks are watching from and all those things. God, as we gather and scatter, God, this is a time we have set aside in our week and, and, and more specifically in this day to worship. We come together for the purpose of, of, of celebrating God, your, your work, uh, the, the attributes of your love and grace and mercy and, and all those things that you have provided and poured out. And so we don't want to be negligent in our worship. God, we want to praise and sing to you. And I'm so grateful for the, the direction of the songs this morning, just pointing to our uh, justification, our relationship, our access. God, thank you for that. And God, as we pray, we bow before your throne, recognizing that there's no way that we can understand, that we can grasp the fullness and magnitude of who you are. So God, speak to us, not Bobby. Bobby's no good at it. But God, speak to us by your spirit, by your word. Show us, reveal yourself to us. Help us to understand. God, more of who you are. But God, also who you've created us to be. And God, help us as the, 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 the sort of the product of all that to be able to stand and glorify your name. God, we pray that you would help us to understand your words this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 5. I, I consider Romans 5, particularly these first 11 verses, to be extremely important um, in, in the Word of God. Not that one's more important than the other, but this passage right here explains something. This passage right here reveals something uh, actually it reveals several somethings uh, i'm going to have to sort of stay in in a in a, a small lane to to be able to to accomplish everything that god has set before me this morning but um uh, just just by way of illustration you ready uh parents everybody you know we're parents right things happen sometimes right like kids when they're little small and and something might happen in the other room that let's say makes a loud noise um, something goes crash what is the parents first response what happened or or uh, here, here's mine what did you do because i only got one son right there he is one son what did you do right um 
the other night, Eli wasn't even at home, he, and he's here. So uh, I had planned to tell this story, so I'm going to tell it. Uh, he was in, in Jacksonville hanging out with some friends, and so Angie and I were sitting very peacefully, very quietly on the couch. And Angie had gotten up and gone into the kitchen for something. I was sitting there, and something in Eli's room started making noise. It was this, and I thought, something fell, but it kept going. It wasn't like something fell and stopped. So it just kept, and I was like, what is that? And then I all of a sudden thought, somebody's coming in the window. So I got all defensive, right? I was like, what's going on? What's happening? And well, Angie came in the room, and she heard the very end of it. And so here I go. All right, so uh, I heard a comedian do this. I thought it was funny. So I'm sneaking down the hall. See, this is this is the international posture of sneaking. Because if somebody's coming in the back window, I'm about to have a free-for-all. Y'all ready? So I'm going in there, and I look in. And um, when Eli finished his basketball career a few weeks ago, we gave him two of them grit big Mylar balloons that, that were his number 33. Well, they had gotten loose and and gotten into the ceiling fan. <laughs> and that, somebody's coming in the back window, and I'm about to attack, right? What happened? You know? Well, truth is, the little strings got all wound up in the ceiling fan and stopped the ceiling fan. Fortunately, I got there quick enough to turn it off so that it didn't burn up and start smoking up the house or anything. But anyway, what happened? Right? That, that, that's kind of the question. Something happens, you, you want an explanation. You want to understand what it is that happened. And so, so I'm clipping strings and stuff and all that kind of thing to try to, try to get that out of there, right? That, that, that's kind of that picture. Now, now fortunately, he wasn't home because I, I would have said, what'd you do? Right? So, so when we read Romans chapter 5, uh, I titled today's message, What Have You Done? But the question really, in personal conversation with God, could be simply, God, what did you do? But that sounds almost disrespectful. So we would say, God, what is it that you accomplished in what you've done? God, God what have you done? Personalize it. God, what have you done for me? What is it you accomplished on my behalf? And that's why I pointed out these words, because it says, how much more then? Because, all right, so going back to verse 8, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? Well, man, we live in a world that doesn't want to talk about God's wrath, Old Testament, New Testament. There is a, a very adequate picture of what wrath is. Uh, you can't define it from Hebrew words or Greek words as anything but God's anger and retribution against wrong. There is a wrath that is perfectly uh, identifiable in the character and attributes of God. But what is that wrath? What, what, what is that wrath toward? What it is it that God's wrath uh, is activated, let's say, against? Look at the next line. For if while we were enemies. Did you really? I heard somebody talking about it this week. 
talking about how we need to explain to people what lost means. What does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be out of fellowship with God? What does it mean to be an enemy of God? We live in a world that doesn't, no conception of what it means. Oh, we're all created by God. We're all God's children. God, God's not angry at me. Really? Okay, you're right. It's not anger directed at you. It's anger directed at what? It's anger directed at rebellion. It's anger directed at that, that enmity, not enemy, enmity against our Creator, against our Father, against God. And people don't understand that when you're lost, that's what we are. We are in rebellion against the one who not only created us and gave us life, but makes sure we have oxygen every morning that we wake up. And so, so those uh, apart from uh, salvation in Christ are in open rebellion against our Heavenly Father. So see, that's what he's saying there. How much more than since we have been justified by his blood? And we're going to get to that justification in the blood in just a minute. But will we be saved through him from wrath? What wrath? Wrath. God was openly, was expressively, as we know, if you read the, the passages of, of Satan's rebellion against God, whether you take from Ezekiel the, the pictures of the stars falling from heaven, God opposes rebellion and disobedience. Now, let, 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 let's, let's tease this out just a little bit. God hates sin. God doesn't hate you. God's not angry at you. God, by his very nature of holiness and righteousness, is opposed to wrathful toward sin. It is an insult to the character of God to make excuses for your sin. Okay? That, that, that is an insult to the perfection of who God is. And, and here you go. God in his perfection, in his righteousness, indeed in his holiness, will not and cannot allow unrighteousness in his presence. So yes, sin is serious. Sin, you know, you, you read some of those prophetic six things, yea, seven are an abomination to God. Ah! Make a list. Check it twice. No, that's a different song. Okay, sorry. Um, see, the wrath of God is against rebellion. Okay? I, I, I heard this same, I think it was the same comedian, actually. He was talking about his son turning 16 years old. He made the comment, he said, I don't know when it was. I don't know how old Satan was when he defied God and got kicked out of heaven. 
But this particular comedian, and I know quoting comedians is not necessarily hermeneutically sound, but you know me, so he said, I think Satan must have been 16. <laughs> he said, because I think God wanted us to experience what it was like to give something life and have it deny your existence. Right? I mean, there's, there, there, there's humor in that. See, God's wrath is not toward his creation. God's wrath is toward the defiance, the rebellion, the disobedience in the face of, right? In the face of overwhelming love, in the face of perfect love, to defy the one who loves you, the one who cares for you you see that and that's what he's saying that rebellion has put us as enemies of God but while we were enemies we were reconciled to God God worked on our behalf to reconcile us now I'm working backwards from the outline John so you can just ignore it stick with me on the scripture we'll be fine God worked okay God accomplished something. He purposed it all the way back in the garden at creation. It was his will. And he, he designated it in Genesis 3 as there would be one who would conquer ultimately the rebellion of Satan and the sin introduced. There would be one, a Messiah, the seed of woman who would crush the head of Satan and rebellion, right? What does that accomplish? Here you go. This is what it accomplishes. Therefore, Romans 5, verse 1, since we have been justified. Right? Now, here you go. Um, I know we all do it, okay? You know, maybe we do something not quite right. Let's go ahead and pretend we all just got stopped by the highway patrol. And we were going... A little too fast, Scott. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just teasing. No, it's me. It's me. Do I? I say, you get stopped. What do you first start doing? Well, I was just on my way to, or I was just coming from, or or I've got to be somewhere, or I really, really, really have to go to the bathroom. I mean, the policemen have heard it all. I promise you they have. What's funny is, having been able to, to work and serve with the police department here as the chaplain, I remember one night after we had been here for something, I get a phone call. No, this wasn't you. I get a phone call from, from one of the uh, police officers in Sur City. He says, Bobby. I said, yeah. He said, do you know, and he named somebody. And I went, yeah. He said, well, he, um, and he began to explain the situation. I said, well, look, you know, I, I can't tell you yay, nay, how to do your job or anything, but yes, he did just leave something that was going on at the gathering. I can tell you that much, right? Because I'm not going to tell him not to write him a ticket. Good gracious alive. Every time I've ever gotten stopped, mm -hmm. right? 
I jokingly say it's those guys with the blue lights always trying to get my autograph. So I just told him, I don't know if he got out of it or if he didn't get out of it. But yeah, he had been here. And, and what he was doing going out the highway, I guess, was reason for the guy with the blue lights to stop him. But listen to this. How, oh, forgive me, but here you go. How feeble does it sound to say, yes, I was rebelling against the law, but I just came from the gathering. <laughs> right? Does that just not sound like, man, I know if I'm standing there with my ticket book, my badge and everything, I'm going, so? Didn't change the fact that you did something wrong. Right? So, so there is a rebellion against righteousness and holiness, not simply in, in traffic laws, but I mean in our very attitude. It, it is the product of the fall from the garden, right? And yet the word justified, this word justified, uh, uh, I had to write like a 12-page paper in college on this word. We had to pick a word, do a word study paper on it, so I had to research it back through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, all the different Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic words of it all and everything. And, and typically, now, you can, you can write a 12-page paper on it or you can summarize it in a sentence. The sentence summary of the definition of justification is to declare or make righteous. To declare or make righteous. Now, uh, let, let, let's, take the, the, let's go to the courtroom for this sort of scene and we'll say, all right, uh, how do you plead? Not guilty. Yes, you are guilty. You can't, I'm sorry, that's not appropriate, but here you go. Uh, you can't stand before the throne of God and say, I'm not guilty, because we are. So not only is it merely God saying, because of Jesus, I declare you righteous. There's a verse here that I want to point out in 2 Corinthians 5. And it is. He became sin. It wasn't that God simply said, all right, Jesus, uh, I declare you sinful. What happened on the cross was that Jesus actually became our sin. Wasn't that he put it in his pocket and said, all right, I got this list. All right, you're good, you're good, you're good. No, he became the embodiment of our sin on that cross. Why? So that we could become righteousness. The righteousness of God. See that? that? That's a big deal, folks. We have victory over the world. We have victory over Satan. We have victory over it all. Not because we're members. Not, not because we got dunked. Not because we, we bear some title or name, you know, of the church. We have victory. We have justification because Christ became sin so that we could become 
righteousness. So therefore, when you see the definition to declare or make righteous, in the paper I wrote, I, I, I leaned away from the declare to the made righteous. God made me righteous. I'm not righteous. And yet God made me righteous. That is an incredible work. How did God make me righteous? Because he made Jesus on the cross unrighteous. We were singing that last song with the lyrics telling the account of Jesus on the cross and being buried in a tomb and rising in victory. And it was one of those moments where God reached reached into my heart, my spirit, tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'm right here. God's saying to me, I did that for you. I made you righteous. Man. And so, yeah, I almost lost it over there, Scott. Just about to cry. It's like, man, God, thank you. God, I just want to worship you. I just want to fall at your feet. I just want to be near you. That's the third word, y'all. Access. Look at it. You ready? Here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified, made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. There, there's no wrath. There's no enmity. There, 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 there's no, you know, God sitting on a stool ready to thump you in the head. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also, here you go, obtained access through him by faith into this grace, this, this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Folks, this, this isn't just a title we wear. This isn't just the name of people who follow Jesus. This is the identity God has given us in Jesus Christ. It's not just a victory out there somewhere. It's a victory today. It is access to the creator of this universe. Hanging out with Jesus. Walking and talking with God. Being in his presence. If you read the gathering in the word devotionals, Nick's writing started out said he wanted to love God like he loves his wife or know God like he knows his wife that's what it was I want to know God like I know my wife what he realized over the course of the last couple of years is he hadn't spent enough time with God to know God so he committed in his own walk and you're going to hear it all month long as he writes it out what it means to get to know God better we have been given access to God, okay? God. God has revealed himself to us.
in His Word, by His Spirit, in Jesus Christ, in the fellowship of the body, all of these things. We have access. That, that to me, that word right there, justified, yeah, that's a really, really, really important word. To understand the wrath of God towards rebellion is a very, very important principle to grasp. God's not wrathful toward you. God is wrathful toward our rebellion. Okay? But access, access, folks, the veil which provided the separation from God and His people was ripped from top to bottom, from God to man, to provide access into the presence of the Most High God. God, what have you done? God, what is it that you accomplished? On my behalf, thank you. Now, I just want to worship. I just want to worship. You see, it all starts with Jesus. Justified by faith through Christ. See, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. See, that's who God's given us. Okay? If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus this morning. Man, what a celebration it is when we have access to our Creator. Somebody asked the question on Facebook this morning. I think it was Jay, actually. Kind of asked the question of, when you talk to God, who do you talk to? I mean, like, how do you address Him? You know, when I'm by myself, I actually call Him Daddy. Abba Father, my Heavenly Daddy. Uh, I never in my life have ever called Robert Earl Owings Sr. Father. Never. My dad would go, huh? If I walked in and went, good afternoon, Father. My dad would go, whoa. What, 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 what happened? What's wrong? What'd you do? No. Right? We have access to our loving Heavenly Father. I'm going to pray. Band's going to make their way up. We're going to sing. You get to respond to God. Not to Bobby, not to the gathering. You get to respond to God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today and, and for all that you have accomplished, all that you are accomplishing, all that you will accomplish. God, we want to be near. God, we want to be close. God, we, we, we want to know the fullness of the access that you have given us through justification, through Jesus Christ. God, help us to draw near to you. God, help us to, to love you back because you loved us first. God, as we come to this time to respond, help us to respond with whatever you have placed in our hearts. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.